Hi, everyone. Welcome to Corporate Quitter. Today's guest is perfectly timed because I know all of y'all are at the top of the year looking to really crush your goals. Her name is Tara Miller. She's a student loan consultant and the creator behind Tower Talks Finance. In 2023, Tower Talks Finance was awarded Best College Planning and Student Loan Content by the Plutus Awards. Tower has worked in the financial industry for nine years and has helped her clients receive over $1 million in federal loan forgiveness. With her knowledge and expertise, Tower uses her full-time job and social media platforms to educate student loan borrowers on all of their options. And I, like I said, I think the timing is perfect because not only are people now having to start doing their student loans, right? They have to pay them back, come up with a plan. But also, like, there's so much changes happening just in the government, right? It's a new year, new tax brackets, new tax systems, like new forgiveness laws. I'm sure there's so much going on. So thank you so much for coming on and gracing my audience with your nuggets of knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to getting into it. There's so much going on with student loans and just like, like you said, the new year. So yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So why don't we just jump right into it? Why did you get into financial planning and student loans in particular? What were the series of events that led you to get into this? And also, why did you start Tower Talks Finance? I went to college not really knowing what I wanted to get into. I was kind of like undecided for a while. I tried a few things. I started in psychology, but then I went into the business school. I tried out accounting, didn't really love it, and then went into finance and then kind of found financial planning. And so I always liked the idea of, you know, being able to help people and especially with their finances because it is like so complex and there's so many different things that go into your finances. And Mm so I, first of all, just really want to help you with their finances. And that's where I got into financial planning. And then after college, I started working in financial planning and kind of got into like all the different areas of financial planning and kind of figured out like what I really liked and didn't like about, you know, financial planning or what I you know, had a lot more focus in or passion about. And that was mostly like helping people with debt and like getting out of debt. And then, you know, I worked with a lot of people who are doctors and dentists who have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans. And so that really kind of pushed me to realize that I I love helping people with their student loans because it is a very complex system. There's so much that goes into it. So that's kind of the, the student loan aspect of it. So that's really how I got into like the financial planning world. And then, you know, my account, Terra Talks Finance, I started that a little over two years ago. I just wanted to have a place to kind of share that knowledge outside of like my full-time work and, you know, posting on my personal social media wasn't really working for me. And I wanted kind of a separate area where people who wanted to follow me could and get that information. So I kind of started it more as a spot for me to like share my own financial journey, you know, paying off my dad's, focusing on my budgeting, things like that. And then kind of also posting about the student loan side of things. So that's where I am now. I have to say, I applaud you for being so transparent and open about your own journey, because it's one thing to show like the highlight reel, which everyone does, but it's another thing to kind of show like, hey, this is what's actually going on behind the scenes. These are the things I'm putting into place. This is what I'm using. These are the tools that I've been exposed to. And now I'm applying that you can do too. Like it's, It's really refreshing for most people because I don't know anyone who doesn't have debt. Like debt is such a tool that, I mean, sometimes we're forced into it, right? College, you have to get into it if you don't have cash, which who has hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to, most people don't. So I just love the fact that instead of you demonizing it, like most people, again, like the Dave Ramsey of the world, like you are saying, hey, this is normal. And also I'm dealing with this. And these are the things that you can do about it. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's like, there's pros and cons to debt, obviously, and some of it's good and some of it's probably bad. But 
you know, just being open and honest about it, I think has been really helpful and, and people feel seen and they feel like they can relate to somebody and they feel like they're not alone. So that's, you know, a lot of why I like to share, you know, my journey as well. Yeah. So one of the things I saw on your profile recently was you were talking about refinancing and consolidation, right? Everyone's scrambling to pay their loans or like, how do I make the most of this, right? I hear a lot of people who like, they've been making the same payment for years and their loans have gone up and they're like, what the hell? Like, well, I don't understand. So what's the difference between refinancing and consolidation and when are the best times to embrace either both of them or even can you do that at the same time or is it one or the other? Like, give us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's usually one or the other. You can do both, you know, in the course of, you know, the life of your loan, but there is some big differences between the two. And I get, you know, a lot of questions about that when I work with clients. It's like the biggest confusion between terminology that I see is like people think refinancing is consolidating or that they're both the same thing or that they're intertwined. And they are technically two separate processes. So consolidation is mostly for, you know, people know that you can consolidate like federal loans. And so it's mostly a federal loan process where they combine all of your loans together. They take like a weighted average of your interest rates and you basically end up with less loans. So you don't have 20 different loans with their own payments, their own interest rates. You have like one or two and they all have, you know, like an average of what you had before. And then refinancing is more so for either federal or private loans. But if you have federal loans and you refinance them, you take them out of the federal system and you move them to the private system, which makes you then kind of give up any like federal repayment forgiveness options that you may have. So that's kind of the downside of refinancing a federal loan. But a lot of people with private loans have really high interest rates. So they, I see people with double digit interest rates, variable interest rates that are 14, 15, 16%. And it's crazy that people have that high of an interest rate on a student loan. So those are the people that I see benefit from refinancing most. Mm -hmm. And refinancing is basically just taking your loan and you're replacing it with a new loan. So you go to a lender out in the market and they say if you're approved or not, they'll basically pay off your current lender's loan. And you have a new loan with a new lender, typically a new loan term, a new interest rate, a new monthly payment. So kind of helps people reduce the amount that they're owing, especially those people like you mentioned who have been paying on their loans for years and they owe double what they originally took out. That is called negative amortization. So, you know, people just end up paying more and more interest and they end up paying double or triple what they originally took out. So refinancing, especially with private loans that have really high interest rates can be really helpful. Yeah. Now, I just out of curiosity, I luckily I paid off my student loans a couple years ago. Thankfully, I like did the speed track and I was just like, I just want to be done with this shit. Like it like I when I remember at one point when I was younger, before I paid it off, I was looking at these sort of like right the the consolidations and all the stuff. And I was like, oh, are these just like sharks who are trying to like sink their teeth into me like is this scammy like I just and all this obviously the websites they always they look a little like weird so is there anything you can recommend in terms of like which places are good to go to and also like what do these people even get out of it right what do these new lenders get out of helping you right because there's always in my in most people's opinion there's some sort of caveat right it's either you have to be in a loan longer or pay a balloon payment or like you know what's the whole what what is the whole kind of mo if you will 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many different like refinancing lenders out in the market and just kind of like doing your own due diligence and figuring out like, are they actually like a student loan refinancing lender or are they like some type of debt consolidation, debt settlement company? I don't typically recommend those. There can be a lot of like negative impacts to using companies like that. Mm -hmm. So just doing your own research and figuring out if they're a reputable company. There's a lot of big companies that a lot of people are familiar with. But, you know, essentially what refinancing companies do because I have worked for one of them in the past, you know, they basically they benefit by obviously the interest that you're paying. So, you know, they're going to pay off your old lender and then they kind of benefit from like the interest spread. So, you know, they're getting this money from, say, some type of company that's funding these loans and then they get paid by basically the difference in interest from what they have to pay this other company and what you're paying them. So, Hopefully that makes sense. But mm-hmm. in being, I mean, basically, they're obviously trying to help student loan borrowers, but they are benefiting in some way by yeah. the interest that you're paying. But thankfully, you're paying less interest to this new lender, hopefully, than you would to the old lender. So, yeah. Yeah. So other than those two as options to kind of speed up your loan payment, is there any other thing that you would recommend in terms of like just getting like just on the fast track of getting these loans and getting the debt kind of taken care of? Yeah. So, I mean, for borrowers that are not doing any type of like forgiveness programs with their federal loans, they really want to like expedite their payments. I mean, you can obviously refinance to like a shorter loan term that can increase your payment, decrease the amount you pay over time and decrease the time period that you're paying back your loans. Or if you aren't eligible to refinance, you don't want to refinance or whatever, you can always just pay more than what your minimum is. And that'll help with lowering your total costs and also lowering the amount of time you have to pay them back. So mm-hmm. there's usually kind of two different methods that people use for debt pay down. And this doesn't just apply to student loans. It kind of applies to any type of debt is like the debt snowball method. And oh, the I've debt heard of avalanche that. method. Yeah. So the debt snowball method is, you know, more so like where you kind of like pick like the small, you you pay off one loan and then you start like applying that payment to like your next debt. So if you have like five different loans, you pay off one. And then instead of just paying the minimums on the rest of them, you take that like $300 payment for that loan you just paid off and start applying it to your other ones. So you never stop paying the same amount. You say you pay $1,000 across all your loans. You pay off one that was $300. You're not paying $700 now. You're still paying $1,000, but it's towards all the other loans. Each time you pay off a loan, you basically allocate that other payment towards the next one so that you're paying things off quicker. Um, and then the debt avalanche method is basically, you know, kind of taking like the highest interest rate loan first and, you know, paying down from there. So kind of one is like maybe paying off like the smallest balance first and then going up to like the next highest balance. And then some are like more focused on like paying the highest interest rate loan first, which is usually the most cost effective way to do it. I usually tell people if you have multiple debts, try and focus on the one with the highest interest rate first. Even if it has the smallest balance, you're paying the most interest on that. So mm-hmm. that's usually, you know, some of the different methods that work for people and which one works best for you just really depends on like how your brain works. Like for me, I really liked paying off like my smallest debt balance first because it made me feel like I accomplished something. Same. I was like, the oh dopamine gosh, yes. hit. 
It's just I like, had, we yeah, did the so thing, like, like good girl. <laughs> yep, I had like a $900 loan. And I was like, I'm getting this done. I don't care what the interest rate is. Like, I just want to get it out of there. It, you know, changes the monthly payment. Now I use that towards something else. Yep. Whereas if I have a $20,000 loan, like that's going to take me a lot longer to pay off. And yeah, I could pay extra, but I don't see that progress as quickly. So for my, like me and my brain, that one worked better for me. And for some people, they really want to like, get rid of the biggest chunk first or like just pay extra towards the highest interest. So it really just depends on what your, how your brain works, I guess. Yeah. I'm the same way. So I like a good checklist and things like that. But you had mentioned like government programs and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people, well, there are some people I know who are, they're not defaulting on their loans. They just like, like literally, well, I guess they are defaulting. They literally can't pay them. Like it's too high. Right. Like they're freaking out or it's like they have to choose housing versus a loan. So they're obviously choosing housing. And I also know some people who are like, I'm not paying that shit. Like, I just refuse to pay it. Like, it's whatever, which is a whole conversation in itself. But like, for those people who are really struggling, like, again, they, they lost their job because of COVID or whatever the case may be, like, what assistance or government programs or like anything can they take advantage of? Yeah. So there's a lot of different programs that they kind of initiated, like once payments resumed and also programs that have been there for a while. So to kind of start off like new programs that have come about because of like the COVID pandemic and like payments resuming and things like that, like for borrowers that can't make their payments right now, obviously I always recommend that people make their payments if they can or make some type of payments, but mm -hmm. they have implemented, the Department of Education has implemented an on-ramp period, they're calling it, kind of like a safety net for federal student loans where for the first year since set payments have resumed, so since October of 2023, if you haven't made your monthly payment and you can't make your monthly payment, the Department of Education has stated that they're not going to be like reporting you to collections, reporting oh, you as delinquent wonderful. to credit bureaus, things like that. So that's in place until the end of September of 2024. Interest is obviously still accruing. Those payments are still due. But for that time period, you won't be like sent to collections and things like that. So that's really helpful. They also implemented a program called the Fresh Start, which is focused on borrowers who were in default either prior to or during the pandemic, mostly prior to because obviously payments weren't due during the pandemic. So for people who have been in default and are still in default, there's this program called Fresh Start where basically the Department of Education is going to get your loans out of default and put you back into good standing and you don't have to really do anything other than submit an application. It takes maybe like five or 10 minutes. So they basically put you into a good standing, good repayment status that so you're not in default anymore. They take you out of the collections agency that your loans are with, and they put you back with a federal loan servicer, gives you access to things like income-driven plans, forgiveness options, taking out federal aid again, things like that. And they also, this is a huge thing that's really helpful for a lot of people, they basically remove the record of default from your credit report. So they basically just kind of put you back in a good standing and remove that negative impact that has been on your credit. So that's really helpful. Anyone who's in default, I definitely recommend utilizing that program to get your loans back in a good standing. So those are kind of some programs that came because of the pandemic and payments mm -hmm. resuming and things like that. But there's also federal forgiveness programs that a lot of people have questions about. So, you know, the biggest one is public service loan forgiveness. That's for borrowers that work in public service of some sort, doctors, people who work in, you know, first responders, things like that, nonprofit mm -hmm. organizations, government, a lot of that's going to qualify. And so that's a program that's really beneficial for those borrowers. You get forgiveness after 10 years of service. 
You do have to be on an income driven plan, but you know, you have to be working basically full time, 30 hours a week at minimum. And as long as you work for 10 years, you can get your loans forgiven after that period. So that's a really big one. They've made a lot of changes on that recently. That has, and then there's also longer term forgiveness options that's not tied to your employment. So if you're on an income driven plan, you can get forgiveness if you still have a balance left over after 20 or 25 years. The time period kind of depends on the loans you have and the type of degree that you got. So those are kind of the main forgiveness programs. There's a lot out there specific to like certain professions, like teachers and things like that. But those are kind of the two main programs that I focus on a lot that I talk to a lot of borrowers about. So is there lots anything- of stuff out there. Yeah. Is there anything that just because my audience is a lot of people who are wanting to quit their job or maybe they already they already have and they're business owners or becoming business owners. Is there anything available for entrepreneurs or creators or anything like that in terms of like loan assistance or debt forgiveness? Yeah. So I would say probably the the best option there would be something like income driven or payment plans just to kind of like help with the payments in general, because it's going to be based off of a percentage of your income. And especially like I know for a lot of people starting a business, your income's not going to really kind of kick off for like a couple of years. Probably. Yeah. So you're going to have yeah. really low income. And because those payments are tied to your income, you're going to have a really low monthly payment on your student loans. And then, you know, depending on your situation, obviously, maybe you end up paying off those loans or maybe you, you know, have lower income and you end up maybe benefiting from that longer term 20 to 25 year forgiveness. But that would be probably the main option that I would say would benefit like entrepreneurs, like business owners is doing something like an income driven plan because I've found that you also have a lot more flexibility in like how you can report your income on taxes. And I'm yeah. definitely not a tax professional, but oh, no, I know but... there's a lot of like unique ways that people can like reduce their taxable income and therefore reduce their payments. So is it only for loans or can people embrace something like that with credit cards and other forms of like loans, like maybe a mo- uh, an auto loan or something like that? Yeah. So the income driven repayment options and like forgiveness, things like that is unfortunately only for student loans. I'm not aware of any programs like that for different types of loans. Obviously, you know, you can always try to talk to like your lender and negotiate terms and things like that. I've heard of people like negotiating their interest rates on credit cards and things like that. But Mm -hmm. there's not any like specific programs that I'm aware of, at least unless you kind of contact your lender and try to negotiate with them. Okay. I just had to ask. I know there are people who Again, like even for myself, I paid off my loans, but I'm like always looking for ways to maximize, you know, my repayment of everything from business debt to whatever the case may be. So I now that we're talking about just like creators and business owners. So like I know that you obviously talk like Tara talks uh, finances, your, you know, your account and everything like that. But you also work full time. Right. So you're balancing both being a creator and having a full time job. Like it's got to be hard. You have (laughs) to be challenged. Also. Like if you're talking about the same content all day long, is there burnout to worry about like right mental and energetic burnout? Like what's what's that been like? Yeah, so it's definitely been tough. I feel like at first it was like a lot easier for me because I had this like energy and like momentum. I was like posting like multiple times a week and I was like, I got to get this content out. And like I was really pumped about this new account. I want to like get all this stuff out here. And then after a while, I feel like I definitely burnt out from like spending so much time on it. Yeah. And obviously, like this is more so like a side, not even a side hustle. Like it's just like a side, like fun thing that I do. I don't really get paid for it. I'm not like, you know, getting all these brand partnerships and like getting a bunch of money from this account. It's kind of just something that I do for fun and just like to share 
information to people. And so it's not like I'm getting paid from it, which is like the other thing. I'm saying I'm getting paid for my full-time job. I work, you know, eight, nine hours a day at that. And then I have time after work or on the weekends to like put out content. And that's definitely, you know, hard for me sometimes, especially like you said, when I talk about student loans all day, and then I have to go on the internet and post about the same thing that I've already been talking about for eight or nine hours. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, that's kind of the last thing I want to do some days. But mm -hmm. I feel like I really go in like spurts of like having creative energy and like having all these ideas. And I'll go through and like record a bunch of videos, like make a bunch of content, and then I'll go like a week or two without, you know, creating something. And so I definitely go through these like spurts of wanting to post a lot and then not. And I find it really hard sometimes to kind of balance things and like post consistently and just like find that time and like, you know, really just balance it. So it's definitely tough sometimes, but I feel like, you know, I, I definitely post enough where like, you know, people still know that I'm here, like they, you know, still see me posting every once in a while, but I'm definitely not posting as much as I did like when I first created the account and, you know, trying to at least, you know, post a couple times a week or, you know, post on stories. That's a lot easier than creating like oh, a I full love stories. TikTok video <laughs> or like real or like a static like Instagram post. So yeah, it's sometimes it's just like whenever I have the energy for like, I'll just like hop on a story and like post something really quick. So yeah, which I totally get. I took about a hiatus of like six months last year, I think. And I just stuck to stories and it was so great to like, it's a little less committal and it's a little less refined it's and it's like just enough, honestly. Like the true fans, super fans, if you will, will hang around and kind of check out so your stories and stuff. So that's fine. But do you think, mm -hmm. have you ever had the idea of still being a creator, but doing something different, like doing beauty or tech or I, I don't know? Yeah. So I've thought about that a lot because obviously like like I said, like there's a lot of burnout from talking about the same thing on like both my full time job and the creator, you know, stuff that I do. So mm. I definitely thought about like what else like would I be interested in doing full time if I ever did like switch jobs. And I haven't really come up with anything yet. I don't really like know what else I would be like as passionate about that I would enjoy doing for 40 plus hours a week. Mm -hmm. So it's like tough for me to think about, you know, like switching careers and not doing this full time. But you know, it also would give me the opportunity to be maybe a little bit more, you know, I guess, posting more on like the, the creator accounts and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I've definitely thought about it. And it's like, do, do I want to be a creator full time? I don't know if I could because I kind of like the structure of like a full time nine to five job. But I'm also like I have this like little entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit in me that's like really just wants to just like do this and like be you know, work for myself. But mm -hmm. I also like feel like I need the structure of like an actual job. Yeah, I can understand the the transition between corporate and being a creator has was really, really difficult for me. It took me about a year to get used to it. Even now, there's moments where I have to like, keep tweaking and refining my routine as I change and the things I do change. Um, but and also sometimes like, it's kind of nice when someone just tells you what to do. I mean, at this point, I yes. like hire coaches and mentors who basically tell me what to do, whereas you would just get paid and someone would tell you what to do. So, right, there's like pros and cons. I'm sure, though, if with the entrepreneur in you that have that fire and that like will at wanting to do something and expand on things like it's kind of hard when the job's like you can only do these certain things. So there are pros and cons. But if you take the creator lens off for a second, is there anything that you are desiring to do in your life that maybe the creator path could lead you towards or you're just like, 
I'm not really sure how it would get me there, but this is something that would be really cool for me to experience. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot and it's like, I, like I said, I don't know like what else I would do other than like something financial related. I feel like in my personal life, I really love music and I love like the music industry. And that's like something that I've thought about. And I do like some small stuff on the side that's like, you know, working in the music industry a little bit, but like, I feel like also like the, the, influencer like creator in me like has a lot to do with that too and like could lead me somewhere in like that industry a little bit but I'm also just like would I like it enough to do that full-time over what I'm doing now so I mean that's really like the only other kind of switch or like career change that I could maybe see myself doing but Again, it's really hard to make that switch, as I'm sure you're oh, yeah. familiar P- with. Pivoting is pivoting between uh, careers is super difficult. But so, is mm-hmm. it that you're making music, or is it like like what in the artistic process are you part of for music? Yeah, so I mostly just I love like going to concerts and like seeing live music, and so I I do a lot of like you know like sharing about like local events that are going on in like Denver where I live and things like that, and I've always like been like oh maybe I could get into something that is related to like kind of working with like artists and like Mm -hmm. I don't know whether that's like social media or like something just related to kind of the music industry so yeah I mean I I mostly just I just love like going to the events I I spend like a lot of time with my friends going to like live music and like concerts and things like that that kind of reminds me here in Austin we have something called when where what and I think they have a couple of profiles at this point but they like curate their, basically their whole feed is curated to like things that are going on that week in Austin. So it's like live events, it's like festivals, it's art gallery showings. It's like anything under the creative web, like, you know, any bars that are celebrating their 10th anniversary. Hey, come get a tattoo. Like it's like, I mean, it's the uh-huh. Austin vibe anyway. But I mean, that the fact that that itself is a business model of someone just curating, like they bring all the things together to then deliver it to you is like a super cool thing. But you know, who who knows where, where the, that music, that seed that you planted with music is going to, you know, lead you towards. But, um, yeah, I, I'm super curious to see, like, where your creator path leads you. I'm sure there'll be a pivot in time because you're starting to poke and ask questions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I, I completely blanked on asking this to you before, but it's like a major question in the student loan space. But like, do you think they're ever going to be forgiven? And do you think our education system is ever going to change? Because everyone's like, oh, the system is broken. It's crazy that at 18, you can get like $200,000 loan. But when you're an adult, you can't get a $15,000 car loan within it this. And like, you're trapped in the system. Like, like, let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, I've I've always thought that like the fact that an 18 year old can just like apply for, you know, student loans on their own without a cosigner, without a job, without a credit score is crazy to me because that doesn't happen in any other type of debt. Yeah. Like maybe you could get a credit card. Like that's like the first thing you can get when you don't have like any credit. They'll like give you like a really small credit limit or something like that, like five hundred dollars. Or like I think my first credit card was like eight hundred bucks. And I just use it for like gas and things like that. But you can apply for a student loan and get, you know, $7,000 or $10,000 or whatever it is per year. And then, you know, some people can even get more than that, especially like graduate students who can basically like fully fund their graduate school through federal student loans and not really have to meet any type of like underwriting requirements. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty crazy how the system works. And I would like to think that it would 
change, whether that's like the ability to get student loans, obviously, like it's helpful because it gives people more access to oh, education sure. that, yeah. you know, they don't have to have a credit score. They don't have to have a cosigner. They don't have to have income, but they can go to school and take out this loan and pay it back later. And that's great for some people, but it's not great for, you know, a lot of people who go to school and they have a hundred thousand dollars of student loans, but then they come out of school and they make 30 grand a year. Yeah. Like, how the hell am I going to pay this back? So there really needs to be like a balance of like, you know, educating students on what they're doing and what they are taking out and that they have to pay this back. Because like, I just personally remember my little sister, like didn't even realize that she had to pay back the federal loans that she'd taken out because it's called federal student aid. And a lot of people just think of that as like money that they're getting and that mm-hmm. they don't have to pay back. And then they graduate and they're like, oh shit, I have $40,000 of federal loans that they want me to pay now. And they just don't realize it because they basically like, here's this money to an 18 year old and they don't read the fine print. I mean, sometimes as adults, we don't even read the (laughs) fine print. Like I'm almost 30 and I don't read the, you know, terms and conditions on a majority of things I'm accepting. So, I mean, there just needs to be, I think, more education on like what your options are, what you're going to be paying back and things like that. So I I honestly don't know how the system's going to change. I think something needs to change as far as like you know, the amount of loans that people can take out and whatnot and who they're giving those loans to and kind of thinking about like, what what's your major? Like, what are you going to be doing after school? Obviously, not everyone uses their degree 100% from what they went to college for, but just getting some idea of like, is the average salary that someone's going to be graduating from with a finance degree going to be able to afford the amount of costs that it, you know, takes to go to college? Yeah. Are they going to be able to afford those payments? Like, I graduated and I was making probably like 33000 a year. My payments were almost $1,000 a month. Like that's half my annual income. And yeah. I could not afford that. And I had to go find a different job that was paying more. So I think that there just needs to be a little bit more thought about kind of that aspect of things. And as far as like forgiveness goes, I, I don't know so much about like the widespread forgiveness that obviously, you know, the Biden administration tried to do like the ten dollars to $20,000 for borrowers that met certain income requirements that got shut down by the Supreme Court. They're now People in the were process pissed about of that, which is so weird. Like, yeah, I remember I was talking yeah. about it on my TikTok and like I paid off my loans and like, sure, but I've loved to gotten money for it. Sure. But also like shut the fuck up. Like, I, I mean, I don't mean to be so brash, but like there are people who were like <laughs> literally like I paid my loans. You don't deserve like they just shut up and like t- just say it, look at it as a win for your future children for like. Like, it's fine. Like, you can have your moment, but just, like, let just shut up. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. There was so many, like, two totally opposite ends of the spectrum there. Yeah. Like, people who are so against the loan forgiveness and people who are, like, almost relying on that loan forgiveness because it would hopefully, like, wipe out their loans. Like, there was millions of people who could have gotten their entire loan balance wiped out by that forgiveness. Yeah. So it really bummed a lot of people out, especially after they put out the, you know, application. A lot of people applied for it so that they were approved and then said that, you know, they couldn't get it because the Supreme Court denied it. So it was definitely disappointing for a lot of people. I know that the Biden administration is trying to come up with a different program, a little bit more like focused on who's going to get it, like certain groups of people that would be eligible, like 
I think one of the groups that I've seen something about is like people whose balances have grown significantly, like that negative amortization we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, some of those people might get it, but it's also it's really still in like the the process of getting even just like proposed at this point. So it's not anything set in stone. I haven't really, to be honest, gone into the details of what it could possibly be yet, but it could it could take another year or two for that to even be proposed and let alone approved. Yeah. So. We'll see what happens with that. I think for forgiveness, I think that there has been a lot of positive changes made to those forgiveness programs we talked about earlier, like public service loan forgiveness and income-driven repayment forgiveness. They have been forgiving loans left and right for people who have met the requirements, but maybe are benefiting from some of these like one-time waivers that they're offering for like public service, for example. You had to be technically on an income-driven plan that whole time, but they made like this waiver or adjustment kind of temporary to allow people to basically get credit for periods of any repayment, regardless of if it was in an income-driven plan or not. Mm -hmm. And that helped a lot of borrowers because there was a lot of confusion about like what I need to do to get this forgiveness. A lot of people were just on the wrong repayment plan, got to their 10 years and figured out, oh, I don't qualify. So that waiver kind of helped a lot of people and has given a lot of people that forgiveness and kind of similar to the the income driven repayment forgiveness. Basically, they're looking at all student loan borrowers. And if someone has reached 20 or 25 years in loan repayment, regardless of the payment plan, they're getting their loans forgiven. So they're going to be doing that kind of on a rolling basis going forward. They've already you know done a lot of different waves of forgiveness for people who have gotten their loans forgiven. There's you know a lot of different discharge programs for like borrowers who schools misled them or closed during, you know, their education or something like that. So there's been a lot of like positive changes that have, you know, gotten forgiveness through those different brands, but mm-hmm. not necessarily like the widespread forgiveness that a lot of people were hoping for. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens over the next few years. I mean, we're only just what, five months into like student loan repayments. Like it's still like mm-hmm. so new and the world is still adjusting. So who knows what's going to happen? You know, I just... I wanted to get your two cents because I know this is like a hot topic for a lot of people. And I talk to a lot of quitters and they're like, hey, I would love to quit my job, but I have this huge student loan repayment. And like, I don't know if I'd be able to afford living literally and paying this off like if I quit. So, you know, any sort Mm -hmm. of insight is always great. So one final question I like to ask every guest before we you know, finish is if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? And that could be personally, that could be professionally, it could be student loan related, it could be whatever. It's like very broad and very basic, but like I would just tell myself like you'll figure it out. Everything's going to be fine. You'll figure it out, like especially in your 20s. I feel like there's this like social pressure to like figure it out and like have your shit together and like be fully established and like have everything like, you know, all your eggs in their baskets and all figured out. And that's really just like not the case. Like so much stuff happens in your 20s. And I feel like there's like I said, this like social pressure for like 20 somethings to like have everything figured out, like have your career figured out, have your life figured out, have like relationships and friendships figured out. And there's so much that has happened in my 20s. And I'm now going to be turning 30 this year. And everyone's, you know, always like, oh, my God, like 30 is so old. And it's like, I feel like my life is just starting. Same. Like, I feel like I am finally like getting on this path of like figuring it out. You know, I have like really good friendships and I have like a really good like established career and I feel like I'm finally like getting to that point where I am sort of figuring it out but I feel like there's still so much stuff that's going to be happening and so I just like try to tell people like don't put so much pressure on yourself to have it figured out in your 20s like 
you always see the things about like the most successful people like didn't you know start a business until they were 40 or yep. like 50 or like start being really successful until they were in their mid 40s or 50s so you know i feel like there's just so much pressure about you know being young and having it figured out and I just I've realized that yeah it's it's definitely BS so yeah yeah, I think that's what I would tell myself yeah I just turned 30 in June of last year and honestly 30 is the best like there's a little less fucks that you give and it makes such a difference (laughs) like it's really really honestly I'm so excited for like this decade is going to be phenomenal especially like if you can get through the stuff you went through in your 20s like 30 is great 30 is fine I know. Yeah. My birthday's also in June. Oh, so when's your birthday? June babies. The 24th. Okay. I'm the 16th. Okay. So we're like, we're, okay. yeah, we're close to Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah well, anyway. So I'm inching up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm excited for it. I, I'm super excited to, you know, be in my 30s. And I feel like I'm just like, finally, I, I feel just like I'm figuring it out. And I feel like I have a little bit more freedom. And I feel like 30s are going to be a really good decade for me. Yeah. Yeah, I can attest to it so far. I mean, I'm only six months in, but so far, so so, so far, so good. But thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. For those listening, all of her information will be in the show notes. And again, thank you so much. I know the people listening to this are going to benefit greatly from your knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, obviously, you know, if anyone has questions about student loans or anything, I offer free 30-minute consultations. And if you go to any of my socials, it'll be at the link in my bio. So feel free to DM me, comment, book a meeting, whatever works for you if you have questions about any student loans or anything. Cool. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you.